Welcome to another episode of Streets and Scholars with Alex Alonso and FG. And how you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good today. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. What you been up to? Oh, man, you know how it goes. Just doing this family thing. Since last week, man, anything happened? A lot happened. <laughs> oh, okay. But we're going to stick to our uh, script. Yeah, know? for sure. Well, um, let's go through a couple fact checks. Um, when we, we were talking about those two young brothers that caught a case last week that are going to the feds for 144 months, 12 years. Mm -hmm. And you had asked, why was this a fed case? And I got a whole bunch of messages right, right, giving, right, me, different, giving me yeah. many different reasons. Um, one person said it was because it was um, the value of the watch. Mm -hmm. Another person um, had told me that it was because it was a gun case. Um, not too many of the answers really made any sense to me why it was a feds case. And then someone sent me a message about the Hobbs Act, which mm -hmm. I never heard of. I've I never... haven't either, no. Okay, the Hobbs Act. But your boy Reggie Wright Jr. hit me up and mm -hmm. gave me a reason. He just hit me up and he said the reason why the, the case went feds is because the sheriff's are taking all high-profile cases to the U.S. attorney because oh, they don't like okay. the D.A. Gascon. They don't like George Gascon because George Gascon is a reformist, mm -hmm. and he's giving people lesser he's giving sentences. Them yeah. yeah, he's giving them action. People coming home, too. Yeah. Yeah, people coming home. So a lot of people are hating on George Gascon. They hating, but they don't realize that some of these guys got 25 years for stealing a slice of pizza. They should have been home. Some of these guys really did their time, and they booked them with the criminal history. You know, um, they already did time for that, what their criminal history has on them, and then they could double back and, you know, rack up the charges. So they took a lot of that into consideration, and I know a lot of personal homies that just came home. So, I mean, I ain't going to lie. I'm, I'm, I'm all for that. But I did have a um, – last week you asked me about these two guys. Would they um, Did they ever have to go to, like, a reception like they do in the state? And I, when I was thinking about it, it's not so much a reception, but at the same time um, – when you're traveling across the state, you will get uh, stopped at places, and you may have to stay there from anywhere of two, three days to a few weeks. It's not so much reception, but it's just getting your um, getting to your destination may take, you know, could take a month. You know what I mean? And and um, real fast, if they ever, um, I don't know if you ever heard of uh, FDC Oklahoma. But FDC Oklahoma is one of the uh, transport centers. And when you fly into FDC Oklahoma, you know how when you fly in on the plane and you get off the plane to board the ramp, you know, go down. Well, when you pull up in FDC Oklahoma and get off the boarding thing, when, as soon as you walk off the plane into the boarding ramp, when you come out the boarding ramp, you're actually in the uh, detention center. You know what I mean? And I had never seen nothing like that. We pulled up at that and, you know. So how long did you stay at FDC? I only stayed there a couple of days, but I know guys that was there a week, a month. You know what I mean? And uh, and it's like, like you said, it's not reception. It's just depending on where you're going, your flight might not be leaving out of there. But I wanted to clear that up, you know. But the language that you guys use in the feds wouldn't call that reception. No, no, just a transfer center. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you went to the state... Because you went to the state before you caught your Fed case. You went to a reception before yeah, you Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to Tehachapi. And, uh, and uh, man, I ran into, you know, and I, I went to reception on uh, 4B. And I ran into Bolo and them. They was up there from Bonnie Hunters with 35 to life. You know, them dudes was up there. I mean, lifers, man, that you knew on the street or had seen on the street or idolized on the street. And you run into them. And they up here doing all this time, you know. And it's like when they look at you. Hey, they look through you, you know what I mean? You know, but they honestly be happy that you got two or three years, four years, five years, and they really trying to encourage you to come on, don't come do this, you know what I mean? So, 
Yeah, I did. So uh, you was there with a lot of older homies? OGs. OGs. Yeah, yeah I ran into some real G this homies. This was like early 90s? This was 93. Okay. You know what I mean? Sonny Roof from Elm Street and them. And I'm talking about these dudes were sitting up there. Sonny ended up coming home, but it was a lot of dudes that never would still have it. So how long would you stay in reception before they sent you where you were going? A month or two. You'll stay up there a month or two. What is the whole purpose of reception on the state level? Well, so many people incarcerated in California that their transport system is slow. So they're going to designate your background, designate your, you know, um, what level you should be designated to, and they're going to send you out like that. So it's, it's, it's a process just basically vetting which yard you go to to make sure you're on the right level yard for the type of guy you are or the background that you have. So that's pretty much what it is. Okay. Well, um, back to Gascon, um, yeah, people are, people are getting action because yeah, of Gascon. Yeah, yeah, But I think he is unfairly being criticized for not wanting to prosecute cases. What he's doing is saying gang enhancements are not fair. Gun enhancements are over the top. That doesn't mean I'm letting this guy go home. Right, right, right. He's still going to the penitentiary. No doubt. He's still going to do some time, but there's a difference between getting 20 to 30 years or getting... 50 to 80 years no no doubt which sometimes the 80 year sentence doesn't make any sense it doesn't that's why i say it and, and it just seemed like these people just just they really don't care it's like if you're a criminal period they don't care how much time you get you know what i mean and 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 i mean at least the feds have a a guidelines chart where you can fit into the guidelines even though it's unnecessary time it's standard you know, California and the state system don't have a standard time. It, it just def depends on what the, the DA want to throw out there and what the judge want to give you. So you may give for the same crime. You may have one judge give you six years and another judge give you 16 years for the same crime. Same criminal background, same everything. It's just depending on how that judge feel about you or your specific uh, situation. And go back to um, the guys that got to 12 years. What I did here, though, is... Um, is um, you know, those guys um, happened to ha didn't have a substantial amount of criminal history, and they still got to twelve. You know, and um, so, but they probably f fell into that guideline range. You know. Now there's a chance that if Gascon did prosecute it, and those guys did go to the state. They might have gotten more than 12 years, right? No, nah, no doubt. That's why I say <laughs> it, ain't, it, ain't, it ain't all gravy over there, you know what I mean? You know, because it's still dependent on the judge. It's just when you break off the, the enhancement on certain cases, the judge can now only give you, or he should only give you so much time, depending on the gang enhancement and the extra gun allegations and all this stuff, you know? Well, according to Reggie Wright Jr., um, he, he sent me this message saying that uh, Gascon is given too much love but at the same time, these guys only got 12 years for robbing a, a watch that cost a half a million dollars, putting a gun to someone's head, busting and hitting another woman. Um, I, th I think the state could have uh, washed them up, right? Yeah, they could have, and I believe the feds could too if they would allow certain um, enhancements. You know, but I mean, yeah, that's spoken from Reggie Wright. I'm sure he would love to see... But 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 I I don't believe it, you know, because when you go and look at the criminal court system and you go to Orange County and you sit in some of these cases where some of these other people of other color are doing the same exact thing and you balance out the time, it don't it don't add up in that sense. We are subjected in our mind to believe that 10 years is, is awesome. 12 years is awesome. You know what I mean? Where do we get that belief from? I don't know. But that's what we, <laughs> you know, you know, believe in our minds when over there. 
is not. It's ludicrous. It's absurd. You know what I mean? It's, it's over the top. You know, so we got to start, you know, taking in consideration, you know, I mean, it's hard to say people, we talking about people that's committing crimes also. So don't get me wrong. I don't believe that, you know, everybody should just get a get out of jail free card. You know what I mean? But make the crime, make the time fit the crime, though. You know what I mean? Well, I think they could have easily got more than 12 years, even under Gascon. I, I agree with you on that. Because um, there were so many different offenses they could have got hit with, even without the gang enhancement. Um, they would have probably got one of the enhancements, the gun or the gang. But before Gascon, some DAs under uh, Jackie Lacey, she would give you both. You get a gun enhancement and a gang enhancement. True, and she probably would have pressed for the uh, attempted murder. And and if she wouldn't have got attempted murder, she would have pressed for the assault with a deadly weapon. And here's so. another thing. You say attempted murder on the person that got hit. Some DAs will say, well, there were three other people standing next to the person that got hit. I'm hitting you with three more. <laughs> right, right, murders. right, 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 right. You know, even though they were, um, they didn't get hit, I've seen DAs do that. I'm like, wow, just because they were standing next to the person Man. that got hit, that's another attempted murder. So I, I think these guys, um, and we're talking about, we're talking about Malik Powell and Kai McGee, they could have easily got 12, more than 12 years under Gascon, but... I, I really don't have a clear answer on why this went fed. I even had another homeboy of mine hit me up and, and give me a reason. I mean, I, I got so many messages on this um, that I have no clue why it went fed. But I, I believe all these answers, though, are, are uh, significant, though, because it, it could have been e anyone. Here's one. Uh, one of my boys said the watch may have been insured by the federal bank. Hmm. And because of the value of the watch, and if it was insured under a federal bank, boom, federal right. defense. Didn't think of that. But, yeah. But, 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 yeah. And this is one of my boys that actually been to the feds. Oh, okay. Um, so, someone said because it happened in Beverly Hills. <laughs> <laughs> I don't well, know. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, man, yeah. they connected over there. You know All right. Know. So, um, hey, if anyone out there knows the exact reason. Right, right. The exact reason. You know, it might be because... The, the sheriffs, well, this is Beverly Hills PD. Maybe Beverly Hills PD didn't want to send it to Gascon, and they felt like they would get a better, uh, a, a harsher sentence mm -hmm, mm -hmm. giving it to the feds. But um, if anyone knows the exact reason why, uh, holla at your boy. You could uh, send me a message. You could send FG a message. FG's on Instagram at FGeneral1. I'm on all social media platforms at AlexAlonzo101. And the next thing, you asked a question last week about how many... How many football fields are turf? How many have grass? Because we're talking about Odell Beckham. It looks like his career is hanging in the balance mm -hmm. right now because of an ACL tear. But I was I was surprised to find out that there are there are sixteen teams that are still on grass, and there are fourteen teams that are on turf. Fourteen on turf, sixteen on grass of the thirty. Mm -hmm. Are you surprised at that? I was. But I, I I knew it was a couple. At first, I was unsure. Then, when I thought about it, I started picturing the fields. You know, and I know Philly and, and and Pittsburgh and some of those stadiums that's outside Green Bay. They still running on grass. So it was after the show that I was kind of sit back and thought about it myself. I knew it was more than like four. You know, but they didn't know it was sixteen. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's good to know though. You know that that we still have grass. Uh, some of the owners still believe in. And keeping grass, and there's actually different types of grass too. And that I didn't know. Yeah, <laughs> there's uh, you know, I, I remember going to Home Depot buying seeds to mm -hmm. from my yard and hearing, uh, reading a uh, blue bluegrass mm -hmm. or um, I forget some of the names, but here we go: Kentucky bluegrass, um, Bermuda grass, Deso grass master, 
So, so nine teams have Bermuda grass, four teams have Kentucky bluegrass. I've seen the Kentucky bluegrass for sale at Home Depot. Hmm. Two have Deso Grassmaster, which hmm. I've never heard yeah, of. Yeah, I've never heard of that one. And um, there's actually a couple of different types of turfs, too. There's a few different turfs, but but there you go. Uh, 16 teams are playing on, let's see, 16, yeah, 16 teams have real grass, 14 teams have turf. And I would, I want to lobby for those 14 teams to reconsider their turf, but they can only reconsider turf if they have an open dome. I was going to say, right? most of the teams that have domes are pretty much probably the teams that have turf. Okay. So, you know, you don't have the, fa- the, the weather factor, you know, to take care of the grass and make sure it's nice and, you know, soft and, you know, all that sort of thing. But uh, that's what I com- the conclusion I come to. If you have a dome, probably got turf. I like the teams that don't have domes because I feel like football should be played in any weather. And whether it's snowing, hailing, raining, uh, tornado. Right, right, <laughs> Tornado's right, about right. to come through. No, we playing the game. We playing the game. Yeah. But, yeah, I understand that, the, you know, it's all money. So they want to pack the stands with as many people as possible and keep them games going. True enough, because a lot of those um, East Coast teams wasn't getting Super Bowls because – you know, the outside weather. You couldn't do the halftime show. I mean, it was snowing and raining. The the fans are getting soaked. So they really was designated a lot of the Super Bowls, and it was unfair designating a lot of the Super Bowl to the teams with, with, with good weather or indoors uh, uh, stadiums, you know. I love watching running backs during a snowy game just run all oh, over man, the place. Oh, man, just right? run that ball. They man, have the advantage, know. right? It's hard. No, it must no be doubt, hard to no tackle. Doubt, huh? No doubt. And that goes <laughs> back We just when we were talking about John Riggins last week. I hated him, you know what I mean? Because my team was in the NFC East. I hated John Riggins. But, man, they used to run that ball in that snow. Man, any weather, they was going to hand it off to him and pound it, you know. Yeah, I miss seeing the running back have that advantage. I, I love watching the running back play. Yeah, yeah. We don't get a lot of running backs that much now. The game has changed. Yeah, it's changed a lot. You don't have the Earl Campbells no more. You don't have the Deion Sanders. You know, those guys were pure running oh, backs. Oh, you forget my favorite one. Uh, Walter Payton or? Bo Jackson. Oh, yeah, Bo is Bo, Bo Jackson. <laughs> Bo knows. Yeah. You know I mean, I do love Walter Payton. but uh, And then Earl Campbell was a beast. Oh, he's a monster. But um, the Bo Jackson was like, I don't think there ever was a running back like Bo. I wish I could have seen him stay healthier longer. You know what I mean? Because Bo, you know, and I hated to see, I hated the situation because I liked Marcus Allen. So I hated that situation. And that wasn't Bo's fault. I just hated that situation, you know, because I'm an SC fan and, you know, uh, and Marcus came out of USC, man. So I, I, I wanted to see him do everything. And I think he would have been, I mean, them years he sat on the, the ground, his record, he probably would have been like top five. Had and they put a, him on the back burner for Bo, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it was the, the issue with Al Davis, but yeah. that's a whole different subject. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, uh, I love Bo. I love uh, the running back game, and I love watching these running backs run all over the defense on a snowy game. All right, um, we, we talked about briefly about Tamir Rice last week, and Tamir is the young brother killed by Cleveland PD, 12 years old, playing with a toy gun. He got killed in 2014, mm-hmm. but the federal investigation into that shooting just ended like a year and a half ago. It took like six years to investigate whether or not these cops are going to be found liable, mm-hmm. and they determined that no federal criminal charges would be filed against the two Cleveland cops that killed Tamir Rice, and they came to this determination in 2020. My question is, why does it take six years to investigate something that should take 
a few days, no, really, no right? Doubt, you know, because they had a decision made as soon as it happened. You know, a week or two or three, even a month after the it, the incident took place, man, they had a decision. You guys know what really happened. Now, I don't know how far you go to protect your cops or protect it. It may not even be the cops because they end up firing the guy, Loman, who shot the kid. You know what I mean? But he was fired for a different reason. He was fired for being untruthful about his employment history. But I knew they wanted to get him out of there to save a little face. But at the same time, they also said that the dispatcher failed to tell him that what the lady, that the, the person that called in said, it's a, a juvenile and it's probably a toy gun. That message wasn't displayed to the officer, which made it a little difference. But, man, this was a kid. And, man, I'm sure you guys in disarmed, you know, armed robbers and criminals and got up in the custody. This is a 12-year-old kid. Man, I could spot a 12-year-old kid hmm. anywhere. And, I mean, you're, you're, you're a trained law enforcement officer. I'm almost saying I wouldn't care if this kid almost pointed the gun at you. You know what I mean? You're a trained officer. You know what I mean? You can't hit him in the knee. You can't hit him in the leg. You can't hit him. Y'all taking body shots, chest shots, you know, on a 12-year-old kid, you know, and, and and they say he was just felt he was reaching for a gun. He didn't even pull it out and point it. And I think that was some BS, man, all the way around. I think that's a a function of the police being scared. I think they're just scared. Well, well someone will tell me, no, they just want to kill black folks. They just want to air them out. But I think maybe it's a combination of both. Um I think there's a level of fear that these cops, and you mentioned one of the cops, Timothy Lohman, and the part, his partner's name is Frank Garnback. These are the two cops that within 10, 12 seconds decided to kill a 12-year-old. Um, it's just tragic. It's just tragic. And it's all on video, and, and uh, I believe those two cops should have been subject to some sort of criminal sanction, whether it was a manslaughter or... You know something, no doubt, because going back, all they did with with him was suspended him for ten days. <laughs> talking about he <laughs> he days. violated the, the the tactical drive up to the crime scene rule. You know what I mean? Come on, man, and you think we gonna be what happy with that, or that's that's supposed to make somebody feel any better? You know, this kid lost his life, man. And the, the police supposed to be there to protect and serve regular citizens, and and they failed on this. One. Do you know how much the city settled with the family? In that no, no, I don't. Did take, they? A, take a guess on how, how much money. I'm going to go with the standard million dollars. Higher. Oh, yeah? Five million? Six million. Oh, six million? Six million. I mean, it don't bring your child back, though, but at the same time, at least they gave something up. I mean, you got to hit them where it hurts. You got to hit them in the pocket. You know, you know these governments, um, you got to make them pay. And I think uh, six million, man, that's, I don't even think that's enough. It ain't enough for life. It man. ain't enough. Because I remember here in L.A., um, the LAPD shot this guy named Javier Ovando. They paralyzed him. He mm-hmm. survived. He didn't die. He got $15 million. Mm. Tamir Rice is dead. He's dead. His, his yeah, family yeah, got yeah, six yeah, million. Yeah, but I don't know. It's a different state. It's a different city, so um, it's it, you know I shouldn't even do what I did because I compared one city to another city, right? And right, I'm often right. against doing that. We can't do that. But just for context, uh, Javier Ovando received 15 million dollars for getting paralyzed by the LAPD. Um, all right, so there you go. Those two cops pretty much uh, escaped escaped criminal charges, and I'm starting to realize now that police are investigating these cases a little bit faster since George Floyd. Because the dude that um, killed George Floyd, they didn't waste any time in arresting him. No. It, it happened within days, if not less, a week or so. And I noticed in the last, you know, since George Floyd, which is which is now what, almost two years, a year yeah. and a half? Yeah. There's no need for a five-year investigation. 
There is no need for uh, 18 months investigation. These investigations should should occur faster. And uh, I, I was just disappointed that it took six years for this one. But uh, let's move on to um, Amir Locke. I remember we spoke about this last week. We knew about one issue that this cop had in his past, Officer Hanneman. But you said, I think you said something about they're going to find out some more stuff mm -hmm. if they investigate. And it's true. Uh, this cop has about five other complaints um, in his past. And they are digging up this, this cop's entire record Man. regarding uh, his role in the shooting death of Amir Locke, who was 22 years old, in his house during a no-knock warrant. And they went in there and killed him in... I think about the same amount of seconds they um, killed Tamir Rice. It was only a matter of seconds. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's funny that, guess who spoke? <laughs> guess who spoke at his funeral? Um, Amir Locke's funeral. We're going to talk about this brother a little bit later, though. Oh, man. Al Sharpton. Al Sharpton spoke at, at this brother's Al funeral. Sharpton. But um, we, we're going to get to Al Sharpton a little right, bit later. Right. But, um, yeah, Officer Hanneman has about five other complaints in the last five years for... I guess allegedly violating the civil rights of other people, man. Hey, man, you know, but how many complaints do he get? How many more complaints is he gonna have to rack up before they do something about it? You know, or or even like you say, put him, uh, demote him, or put him at a, make him feel it so he can understand. But if you just keep sweeping it under the rug, oh man, we got you going back out there. You know, keep your nose clean. I mean, if that's the way the the, the department is working, he ain't gonna learn anything. Okay, well, you know, we wanted to give you an update on that, and yeah. it looks like they are um, they're doing they're doing their work on Officer Hanneman, and they're finding out that he has a history, and he's only he's only been on the police force I think I think six years, six or seven years, mm -hmm. so he's got five complaints, so that's a lot of complaints for a short career in and, law enforcement. And you wouldn't happen to know um, um, how old is he? Do you? Mm -hmm. I and think. the reason I'm asking because um, I don't know what I was watching. I was, and then Reggie Wright Jr. was talking about when he was first uh, put on uh, um, as a cop, and he felt that he cops should be not put on the force that young as he was. And he was the first person I had to, uh, say heard say that, and I agree with him on that one. <laughs> you know, because he said he came in there man full force, thinking his job was to just go. You know, and 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 I just appreciated that 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 was said. You know, because I feel the same way. You don't mature till you older. That's the only reason I was asked. Because say if this cop was young, it may be the mentality that I'm young, I'm a police officer, I can do what I want. And then when they get a little older, they start to realize, hey, this, and, and really change, you know, and start trying to be a decent cop. So that's the only reason I was asking. Well, unfortunately, this cop is not that young. He's 34. And he's if he's been on the force for about six six or seven years, that means he came in in his late 20s. Yeah, he should have knew better. Yeah, so he, he was yeah. mature enough. But yeah, I think the LAPD and the LA County Sheriffs have changed their uh, minimum age requirement for new officers. I know that LA you could you could have been a cop with the LAPD at the age of 20, and I think the sheriff was 21. But um, yeah, I, I agree that there should be a level of maturity. Hey, when you go rent a car, they want you to be 25 years old. Yeah, because they think that uh, under 25, you just don't exhibit the level of maturity to just take care of a rental car. Yes, right, 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 right. But we're giving uh, guys guns and badges at 21 that's years old. No, no doubt. That's crazy. Um, so yeah, that's um, that's an update on uh, Officer Officer Hanneman. And um, the last thing we talked about the death row, the death row sale to Snoop Dogg last week. And it turns out that no matter what, Snoop will never own Tupac's 
music and he'll never own Dre's because they've already been reverted back to them. Yeah, I just heard the Tupac's re was reverted back to the estate. Yeah. I believe it was a time thing in the contract that after so many years it get reverted back to uh, the estate. Exactly. Um, Dre's could have been the same thing and he got his back. You know, But will he ever be able to own his? I think Snoop will be able to own his as well. Okay. But only his and then the music catalog that's left. I mean, I don't I can't think of everybody who was on Death Row, but I do remember Lady I thought Lady Rage was amazing. She didn't really put out too much music, but there's that. Mm -hmm. Um OFTB from from the Nickersons. Right, right, right. They had they had some songs, but they Oh man, I used to bump OT yeah. <laughs> OFTB, man. Um did you know Flip from Yeah, Bounty I know Flip and okay. Bus Stop. Yeah, okay. yeah. Which was a different bus stop from my homie. Correct. But I, yeah, I knew them back then and and uh, but let me ask you this: How much of Snoop's music do Drake get, though? Because you know Drake kind of—I mean, ain't it a fine line right there? But because just because Snoop was the rapper, Drake produced all that and put all that together. So who actually owns what? Ah oh, man. Yeah, I don't need—I don't know either. But I was just wondering when you said Drake got his back, Pox is going to his estate. How much of you know do Drake get out of his? Well, I think because uh, Drake gets paid for producing, but the artist at some point is able to to. Get the, the rights to their music after X number of years. So I'm assuming that if Dre has the chronic, but Snoop is going to be able to get doggy style. And even though Dre did all the beats, hey, uh, hey. I mean, I don't know. I'm just <laughs> that's another we could get to get to that on yeah. another time. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll do some research on yeah, that. Yeah. Um, maybe there's some sort of shared shared uh, revenue um, that they do, but but definitely. Um, Pox music is going well. I was going to say to a Fanny Shakur, but she's she's resting. Right, right. That's why I it said would have went to her. Right, she no would doubt, she would no have doubt. it right now, but it goes to the estate, and I don't know who's handling the estate. But yeah, uh, but nevertheless, having the Death Row brand and some of the music is great. Is a great starting point. No, no doubt, because he can build from there, and everything after that to be what he built. You know, were the East were the East Siders on Death Row? Or was that um, was Trey D and Goldie Loke on Death Row? No, I don't think okay. so. I could be wrong though, but I don't think they was on a row. I think they was up under whoever Snoop was under yeah. at the time. Yeah, uh, but there's there's still some music there that um, Snoop is gonna eventually own. Yeah. All right, but let's get into our first topic, man. This this first topic is actually pretty impressive, man. To see that the um, the city of Long, the Long Beach City College and USC applied for a grant, a million dollar grant to help homies from the streets, literally, specifically gang members, to come to college mm -hmm. and to take classes and pursue a degree. And the grant was fulfilled. So a million dollar grant was is now being under the control of the administrators from the Long Beach City College, USC, specifically Adrian Huerta and Mike Munoz from Long Beach City College are now trying to find 200... Mm -hmm. I guess deserving youth between the ages of like 16 and 24, 24 yeah. to go to college. No doubt. That's a great thing. And I mean, how they pick these guys and or gals, you know, how they pick they, the criteria for what, you know, they need to have already in place for them to be selected. Um Probably is, you know, you're still interested, still going to schools, you know, had a decent, at least a decent GPA when you was in high school or still is in high school. You know, maybe they targeting juniors and seniors at this moment, you know, to to um, give them a better shot. I mean, like I said, I know when I was in high school, I was banging, no doubt, for sure, <laughs> by 11th to 12th grade. Yeah. But I did want to go to college. You know, yeah. I was pursuing my athletic 
your um, route, but at the same time, I mean, if a program was out like that then, man, you don't know how many homies that was real gang members would have been like, hey, man, you know, I'm, I'm still going to school. Yeah, I'm running fades on, the, on when I get out and on the weekends, but I'm still in school. My grades are still, you know, halfway decent. Give me a shot at that. No doubt. Every time that I teach, every semester that I teach, whether I'm teaching at Cal State Long Beach or Cal State L.A., there's always one homie in the class, mm -hmm. and I could tell, you yeah. know, and then they'll come up to me after and start giving me their story. I had a dude that was from some gang in San Diego uh, take a class that I was teaching at Cal State Long Beach. This dude was my best student. Mm -hmm. He got an A on everything. He wrote the most amazing papers. He did, uh, he aced every exam and quiz. And I was like, wow, this is, uh, this is amazing. But then I'm teaching a class at Cal State LA, I have this dude that's from a gang on the, in San Gabriel Valley. Mm. This dude aced everything. He was like my, my best student. Yeah. But I think most of the time we don't want to give these people a chance. Well, you know, it's a liability based on finishing the school. You know, anybody can start. It's about based on finishing. You know what I mean? And it's like a job. You know, how long are you going to be at this job? How long do you plan to be here? Is it just something you're going to get in? And, you know, just to get in, you know, they want longevity. You know, they really want people to finish. And with these grants, I want them to finish too. You know, I want them to get there, make sure you get that degree, you know, and, and make it work. You know, and uh, prove this program successful. That way they'll keep doing it. If they go prove this program successful, I know every single person is not going to, you know, um, succeed and finish. But if most of them do, this program can stick around year after year and that million dollar grant turn into a three million dollar grant, five million dollar grant. And next thing you know, it's a whole program for dudes in the hood that want to go to college and that, that, that start looking forward to these grants. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Now, because this is focused on the city of Long Beach and Long Beach City College, they are they're looking for people that are from Long Beach, but the good thing is they're looking for pe for people that are from all ethnicities and all races. So they're looking for blacks, Latinos, Samoans, Cambodians, and Filipinos mm -hmm. because they they got those communities. They do have them there, yeah. So they're not going to be a lot of times. Some of these programs you'll see they're heavily Latino, yeah. or you know they're heavily black, um, but th they're going to pull from all communities. Uh, I remember hanging out in Long Beach doing some interviews in the Cambodian community. Mm -hmm. Um, they got a stronghold on oh, the no east side doubt. of Long yeah, Beach. Yeah, no doubt. So they're going to be seeking out some Cambodians. Yeah, some of them with it, too. Yeah, yeah. for sure. <laughs> um, all those Asians, are um, they cripping in Long yeah. Beach. And uh, what I thought was interesting is one of the professors, uh, Munoz, said that when he applied for this grant, he felt like it was a long shot. He mm -hmm. didn't think they would even give him the money. And then when they got approved, they was like, whoa, this right, is amazing. Right. A million dollars you know, to help help people from the streets go to, to go to college. I mean, that's absolutely amazing. And that is my phone going off, unfortunately. I thought I turned it off. Um, so, yeah, uh, do you know anybody in Long Beach that could take advantage of this program between 16 and 24? I mean, you know, I actually do. And when I was telling my talking to my wife about it, because uh, she graduated from Long Beach Poly, her two twin brothers graduated from Poly, so they spent half of their life in Compton, the rest of the half in, in uh, Long Beach. You know, um, she was like, that was awesome. You know, and and and, and um, we didn't narrow it down to it was just Long Beach, but at the same time, I'm, she got nieces and you know nephews and stuff like that that's still around. You know that that could possibly take advantage of the situation. You know, I think one of the things that's a challenge for people in this age group that are from the streets is that you got to be all the way in with school. 
you can't be like, I'm going to go to school and then I'm going to go to the hood. Then I'm going to go back to school. I'm going to go to the hood. I'm going to hang out. It don't work like that. I've seen, like when I was going to college, mm-hmm. before I took it serious, I used, I used to ask homies that were in the neighborhood, hey, come, come with me to El Camino College. Let's go take some classes. And they'd be with it. Yeah. But then um, they don't finish it right, because right, they went right. back and they got caught with a sack and now they're in the county jail right, for the next no six months. And, uh, you know, I've had at least three or four homies go to, go to college with me. But they would one foot in, one foot out. And, and I, I'm a firm believer that I, I don't want to say it's impossible, but it's very difficult to do that. It is. But if you don't have if you don't have a, the, the mentality that I can go do something uh, educational wise after high school. Yeah, it's sometimes a get blue. If you have something and a way that you feel that you can get to college. Then you might have a different perception. You might have say, "Hey, man, let me finish this because I might really can get to college." You know, and, and I believe that a lot of people just feel that they can't even get into a college, not even understanding all the grants that they have based on the income that their family have or has or don't have. You know what I mean? And 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 really take advantage of. I mean, it's a lot of grants that we don't apply for. You know, it's a lot of um, educational, you know, money that's out there that, you know, some I ain't going to just say the black community. A lot of communities just don't take advantage of and other communities do. And then when we sit there and say, man, well, why are all these people in college? Hey, they took the time to figure out how to get there, you know, and, and, and you did. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's a little bit of a process because I remember when I when I decided to be serious about school. I went to El Camino, but nothing really popped off there. And then I went to Santa Monica, and then I learned I can transfer to Santa Monica because I met this counselor named Benny Blades mm-hmm. that told me, hey, man, you're you kind of smart, but you got to do this, do that. And I said, okay, I want to do it. And the next thing I knew it, I'm at USC. And then everybody that grew up with me was like, how'd you get to USC? You, that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, for a while, <laughs> I, I didn't want to tell anybody yeah, I was yeah, going, yeah. going to USC because wow. I didn't want people to look at me as the square yeah. or, you know, I'm a nerd or something. Man, so that was an accomplishment. I used idea. to, you know, I used to come back um, to my apartment because I stayed in where I always lived, mm-hmm. but I would just dip to USC. Mm-hmm. I would dip back. And then one day, um, one of the homies said, I heard you go to USC. I almost wanted to say, who told you right, that? Right, 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 right. <laughs> but I was like, yeah, yeah, it's true. And he was like, teach me how to do it. Man. I want to know what you did. I'm like, dude, it's, it's, yeah, yeah, it's, it was, it's, yeah, it's yeah. a process. It's a process. It's a process. But you know what? Having this grant and having this system of university, a university, USC, and the school, Long Beach City College, this this is gonna help a lot of people. No doubt. This didn't exist when I was going to school. You know, me I, neither. I would have went through a program like this. But let me read this one part of this um, this article, which I think is very important. It says Munoz also highlighted the stigma that people with gang affiliations can experience on and off campus due to visible markers such as tattoos that can alienate them from peers and emotional markers, experiences of violence and trauma that can affect their well-being. And, uh, you know, this is all about the 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 trauma, the uh, I guess. um, What's what's the term I'm looking for that dudes in the military go through? Oh, the post traumatic stress. Yeah, post post traumatic stress that uh, a lot of people from the streets experience, and it's sort of like a culture shock when you go into a college classroom mm-hmm. if you're from the streets, you know. And then the people that are in the classroom are like, "Oh, look at this dude. He got right, a face right, tattoo. Right, right, right. He got the hood tatted right. on his neck." So that that's also a, a thing that these guys have to deal with. But um, 
it's kind of difficult because now you got to tell other students, hey, we got some gangsters in the classroom. Mm-hmm. And, and how are the other students going to look at a guy like that, you know? I mean, you, you, you grew up in an era where people really didn't tap the face up, right? No, Very they, rarely they, did. they didn't. But when I transferred from Linwood High to Gar High and Cerritos, um, you could tell that I was different from these kids. And the, and the demographics of the students were different. A lot of Asians, you know, Hispanics. You know, it was different, and it was based on smarts. You know, they being cool was, was – our being cool was running fades at Linwood High. You know, being cool over in Cerritos was what your grades looking like. You know what I <laughs> yeah. mean? So the one thing about me, though, I was never uh, um, dumb, you know, and I got I got decent grades. That wasn't a problem. But they did – they looked at me when the teacher yelled out some of them tests because of the way I dressed back then. It was the khakis and white T-shirt era, and they looked at me different. But when the teachers ran off them grades and, and them numbers on them tests – you know, it reflected that, hey, I'm here just as good as you guys are. But they did look at me first kind of like they wanted to look down. But my schoolwork proved that, no, you, you, you can't look down at me. Hey, I always think about brothers like you that, that are from the street but have an above average level of, of intelligence that it's their family. And when you, when you go back to your family, you had your mom and dad for, oh, no for the first 18, 19 years of your life, yeah, right? Yep. And most of the homies out here grow up with a single mom, no dad. No doubt. And do you ever look back saying, man, I'm glad I had that dad. My dad, dad really instilled something in me. I mean, but he really did. You know, it's just not me saying it. It's, it's actually when I look in the mirror or when I see, you know, um, an elder person or a person walking the street. It's what you feel on the inside. You know, it ain't what you do because you know this the right thing to do. It's really what you feel on the inside. You know that that's when I started to learn that man, I got some decency about me. You know, and uh, and I and I did learn a lot from my parents having two parents. Now, in your generation, on the street, they really didn't go all the way with the tats, with the neck tats and the face tats. Um, it's been pretty predominant in the last decade or so. Man, it's getting out of hand. Uh, what, what do you think about that? Um, it's getting out of hand. You know, <laughs> um, I mean, if you're an NBA guy, you know, I remember they frowned upon it in the NBA. Now every guy in the NBA got some tattoos. I mean, it's nothing wrong with tats itself. Yeah. But but coming up back then when people were putting up, you're not a rapper, you don't have millions of dollars put up, yeah, a job will. I heard a, one guy called it a job stopper. I had never heard that, but at the same time, these companies do want you to uh, um, represent their company in a certain kind of way. And that's just the truth. I mean, you got to think about it. If I own a company and I need employees, I'm trying to put my best face on my company the best face, I'm not going to choose the guy with, and I'm, I'm just being 100. You know, I'm going to choose a nice, clean, you know, clean-cut guy, you know, to, to, to represent my company. And, and you can say what you want, but that's just reality. Yeah. I think some of these uh, guys that want to go to college might have to deal with the stigma if they got um, neck tattoos, face tattoos. Uh, none of that means anything to me. But I think general society thinks that if you got a face tattoo, you're more vicious, you're more tougher, you're more violent. But I've learned tattoos have nothing to do with the character that you are. That's just something that you put on the outside. No doubt. I, I totally agree <laughs> with that because, I mean, I met some of the nicest guys face covered. And I'm like, <laughs> just, this guy is just as cool as can be. You yeah. know what I mean? But at the end of the day, and then not to mention, in, in these uh, programs that these colleges are putting together, it still all depends on what kind of major that you're trying to, you know, what are you trying to be? What are you trying to finish high school in? Because some of them tasks will get by in certain Certain jobs, certain you know, if you're trying to be a master mechanic or you're trying to be certain things, some of those some of those tasks don't matter if you really know what you're doing. Yeah, definitely. But I'm I'm trying to um, encourage my two teenage boys not to get him get mm-hmm. get tattoos 
because I think that they're more of uh, as what was the phrase you used? Job stoppers. They, yeah, they're job stoppers. I mean, they're, they're, they're a whole bunch of things. Uh, unfortunately, you know, this is the society we live in, and I mean, I'm not a conformist. I'm I'm willing to bend the rules and think outside the box, but at the same time. If I need to hire somebody to help me operate these cameras and mm-hmm. you got a f- tattoo on your forehead, I might look at you a certain kind of way. No, no doubt. And I'm, <laughs> I'm going to put it out there. You know, I'm going to put it out there. You know, you're going to see one of my sons. Is you that know right? what I mean? One of my sons. You know, I got four boys, yeah. you know, so uh, out of seven kids, you know, somebody going to jump out there. You know what I mean? And he jumped out there, man. And I, every when I see him, I was like, dude, you got another tattoo? You know what I mean? And I'm like, none is like... The, he don't have, I think he may have one on his eye, but none like big on it, but all on his neck, just, you know, and it's like, son, what are you doing? And so I'm going to tell this story and I don't give care if he get mad or not, but we actually got am because <laughs> he pierced my, my grandson's ears. And my grandson was what, um, two maybe, you know, and he pierced his ears. He might not even been two. And he pierced his ears, man. And I went in on him and he came back. This is my son. You don't tell me what to do with my son. Yeah, okay. My thing is, hold on. I never pierced you guys' ears. I didn't let you guys get tattoos or no markings until you was old enough to decide for yourself if that's what you wanted. You know, some of these kids are going home, Dad, can I get a tattoo? Mom, can I get a tattoo? And they, oh, no, it's no problem. No, you can't get no tattoos in my house or no, until you, you, you of age. You know, so yeah, me and my son, we got it, we we got it to it, and uh, and uh, so the rest of my my sons are thinking twice about before they try to get them grandkids ears pierced. Get, let them grow <laughs> up and give get them a shot. They may not want that. You know what I mean? You know, let them decide what they want. That's just my belief. You know, everybody gonna have their beliefs. You know, but is that's this your just oldest my, son? No, this is um um my third oldest, but he he's twenty eight now. You know what I mean? He's twenty eight, and um. So what years? Did he miss while you were gone? He missed. What ages was he? 12 to 20. Woo! Those, you know, those are the important those years. Those were the important years, and that's why I had to, that's why I was so, I, I lightened up on him in, in a lot of ways, but I also said, look, I'm home now. You know what I mean? If you want to follow the leader, man, follow me, because these kids be impressionable. You know, and then the homies didn't tell me that he was running around the hood doing this and that until he got out of hand with the homies. When the homies couldn't control him no more, now y'all want to write me letters in jail saying your son out here running around with gangs. Hold on, you should have told me that two years ago. You know what I mean? And then I didn't notice because our kids, we don't, but 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 my wife was more or less like when she bring him to visit me, she like, you don't notice the walk, you don't notice the, you know, but when you trying to get hugs on your boys, because I didn't care how old they was, I'm going to hug mine and, and give them a kiss on the forehead. And so, and then you only there an hour. You know what I mean? I can't read everything in an hour, you know, because they're going to tell me all the right stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. But but at the end of the day, you know, he slipped through the cracks and he was involved. And and uh, and now he's he's more or less like, luckily, didn't get knocked off or didn't, you know, didn't have to do too much time in jail to realize that, you know, these streets, is, it, ain't, it ain't what they thought it was. So he's, he's reevaluating some of it. No, no doubt, no doubt. But at the same time, you know, now the jobs is, you know, now you the the tats it could be the tats it could be the demeanor it could be you know you start having a hard time you know finding jobs and keeping jobs just based on you know the ideology you know only warehouse jobs want to hire you or you in your mind saying and i'm an example dude you can go be what you want to be don't limit yourself to a warehouse job because you got tats or don't limit yourself to you know he graduated from dominguez high with a 3.83 grade point average you're not dumb 
You know what I mean? By far. It's just, you know, we all did dumb things and took different routes that, you know, led us to believe that these streets is something and it's not. Has, has he been to prison? Twice. Wow. Yeah, yeah, twice. Was, did he go to prison during be, during those ages? Uh, no. Oh, no. This is, but by that time, he was already. Yeah, yeah, he was. He, he was, was already who he was. Yeah, he was who he was, <laughs> you know what I mean? And like I say, when I came home and I looked at him, it was, you know, I, I was, I was, you know, you feel like you failed as a father. You know what I mean? But at the same time, he's still here, so I have it. You know, so I still was able to, you know, get the reins on him, show him something different. Look at what I'm doing. You know what I mean? Well, he could always get those facial tattoos removed if he if he wanted to. And uh, a lot of guys are doing that, actually. And there's, yeah. there's places that will do it for free um, here in L.A. that uh, that are removing tattoos. I know Father Greg Boyle had a program out in East L.A. that was removing tattoos for anybody that, that had a facial tattoo, mm -hmm. a neck tattoo, a hand tattoo. That was preventing them from finding employment. Mm -hmm. So that that pro, that opportunity is still there. So um, I mean, it is, it's never too late. But you know, a lot of people are going to say, "Well, tattoos aren't permanent. You could always get them removed." But it's a process. Of it's getting a process, removed. and you still see a scar too, a little bit on it. It ain't fully, you know. But it's better than nothing, you know. All right. Well, um, shout out to the program at Long Beach City College and USC. Adrian Huerta and Mike Munoz. I hope you guys pick the right people to to come into the college and get their education. And you know, you know, reach out to me because I, I'm I would help and assist in that program um, in, in finding people, evaluating people. I mean, I've actually I've taught gang members yeah, at the university say. level. Yeah, know? yeah. I'm actually surprised that um, some of these people haven't reached out to me. I've taught at Cal State Long Beach, but let's get on to this next topic, man. And this, this topic was kind of inspired by an interview that I did with Bosco, um, I don't know, three or four years ago, where his, where his mom jumped out and sat down on the interview and told the story of when Bosco was 12 years old, witnessed the homicide, mm -hmm. and she sent her son to court to testify against whoever was the shooter. But this was at a time when Bosco was 12. He wasn't from Inglewood. He hadn't even moved to Inglewood. I think he moved to Inglewood shortly after that. I think that's the reason why they <laughs> moved to Inglewood. He wasn't from Queen Street. He wasn't banging. He didn't jump off the porch. But there's been some, some, some people out there opining that Bosco was a snitch because he told on a homicide when he was 12 years old. What's your what's your take on that? Um, I've been hearing you know the different things about it, and um, until it wasn't until I went and kind of researched you know the dynamics of what happened, you know, and uh, basically you know you can't deny that he did get up there and tell what happened on a, on a homicide that he saw, but uh, I mean I'm gonna be honest with you, I'm not gonna sit here and call him a snitch. One reason I'm not gonna call him a snitch because if he wasn't interacting with gang people, he was a regular citizen. And his mother told him to go do that. Then I think most people in America was going to go do what their mother going to say. Dudes can sit here after they done been to the pen and ran a hood or been from the hood 10 to 12 years and sit here and be like, you know, that's snitching. Come on, dude. If your mama would have did the same thing to you at 12 years old, if you wasn't banging yet, if you didn't know the rules yet, you would have did the same thing. Now, on the flip side of that, there's no way in the world my mother would have let me got up on the witness stand and, and said anything. My mother was a strong advocate about, you know what I mean, you keep your mouth closed. You ain't saw nothing. I don't care what you think you saw. You know what I mean? So I believe his mother dropped the ball in letting a 12-year-old get on the stand in a homicide that didn't have nothing to do with them specifically. You know, I know she might have felt she could have been a Christian woman, a felt she or a religious person, and felt she was doing the right thing. 
but there's nowhere in the world my mother would have let me get up there. Oh. And and I wouldn't let my kids get up there based on, this has nothing to do with you. Absolutely. I'm going to just be honest with you. So Absolutely. that's where I think the ball got dropped at, you know what I mean, by his mother, you know, basically even letting him or telling him to do this. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, it's her son. It's her decision. But at the end of the day, I'm not going to sit there. And I mean, he didn't know the rules. He wasn't vetted. He wasn't, you know, we learn these rules in the streets or at home. And when he didn't get them at home, when he joined the gang, I am guarantee you they told him these are the rules, man. Yeah. You know, 12-year-olds is a baby, man. You yeah. know what I mean? And dudes can sit here and talk about that G shit all they want. 12-year-old is a baby. Unless you, like, activate. Some dudes are active at that age. But but he wasn't even a gang member at all. Now, um, if I remember correctly, you, you kind of jumped off the porch at 12, right? Yeah, when, yeah. When I was from the hood. Yeah, I was I was 12. I was, yeah, I was fighting Crips at 12. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. And I knew the rules already. But I didn't learn the rules from the streets. I learned from my mother. You see somebody doing something that don't have nothing to do with you, you mind your damn business. You know, so... I was able to get those rules before I got to the hood. But once you, I got to the hood, riding around on my bike, 11, 10, 11, 12 years old, man, you knew the rules already, dude. You, you know, you keep your mouth closed about something you see that ain't got nothing to do with you. And when, if it got something to do with you, you come tell the homies you don't go tell the police. Or you go tell your parents you don't go tell the police, though. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm going to agree with you 100% that the mom... The mom is the, is the, the main reason for whatever happened with Bosco. I was living with my dad when I was 12, and there's no way my dad would have told the police my son didn't see nothing. Right. I don't care what my son told you he said he saw. I'm telling you, he didn't see nothing. Get away. You know, he would have never uh, even allowed that. Um, just because of the sheer uh, danger of it, you know, why is my 12-year-old son going to tell on a, a homicide? And even for the police to want that to happen, to want to expose someone to, to the dangers of doing that. They don't care. They're not no, here to no, protect you, you us. Couldn't, you couldn't have. You know, because this guy could have, you know, easily got his head knocked off for doing that. You know what I mean? You was old enough to get up there. We, you old enough for us to knock your head in. And on the flip side of that, which I know don't nobody want to hear this part, but, you know, you don't know what the other person did. The other person, I mean, I don't know the dynamics of the whole thing. You're talking about the, the victim. The victim. He could have raped somebody's daughter, and in a, in, a, in a moment of rage, the father did this. I mean, you know what I mean? Like I said, I'm not, not, not out here saying it's cool to, you know, to do violent crimes, but I'm just saying we don't know what the dynamics were. So in, in those two, in those instances, like I said, it's a lot of dynamics behind that. Yeah, I, I'm going to disagree to the people that are calling Bosco a snitch. I don't even know why that some of these people are so heavy, so hard. Um, pressing this line that that Bosco is a snitch because of something he did twelve years old. Because he Bosco, you know it, what I mean. It, he talk a lot of shit, you know <laughs> what I mean. And 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 don't get me wrong, when you get to talking about this gangster shit, you know people are gonna go run down. You know, same with me. When I stepped on the scene, I stepped on street TV. They seen my face. People got to picking up phones. Who is this dude? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. From 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 everywhere. Everybody that knew somebody, I'm sure I do the same thing. Who is this cat? I'm gonna do a background check on him. You know, so so, you know, Bosco is out there. He's in the spotlight. And don't get me wrong, people are still gonna have their opinions. Some people, you know, you you can't change. They can, my grandmother can call the police, and they'll be like, "Your grandmother's a rat." You know what I mean? You know, so some people you just not gonna you can't you, call you, grandma you, you, a rat. right, right. But you know, some people you're not gonna be able to sway. You know, but I I, I wouldn't call him a snitch. I think if you if you objective and you're using logic, there's just no way on God's green earth that a 12-year-old kid who did not jump off the porch that is not from no set is a snitch. I mean, it's just as simple as that, you know? And I'm going to disagree with everybody that's going to call Bosco a snitch. He ain't a snitch. 
He wasn't from Queen Street. He wasn't a blood. He didn't jump off the porch. His mama put him up to it. He was only 12, and that's what it is. But Al Sharpton, we're going to talk about a couple of examples here. Now, here's Al Sharpton. Now, Mm -hmm. Al Sharpton ain't from the hood. Mm -hmm. He ain't never been from the hood. He ain't never been on no gangster shit. He ain't from no hood. But he dabbled a little bit, Mm -hmm. and his dabbling was cocaine. Trying to maybe flip a little, flip a bird, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, flip a couple ounces, and he got caught. Right. He got caught red-handed on video by the feds. So what do the feds do? You work for us now, Al, and we want you to wear a wire and record some of these conversations and go to these people and do this and do that. And he did this in the 1980s for about four years. But mm-hmm. at that time, he was known as CI7. Right. Four oh. <laughs> years. That's a long time. Yeah. The, the documents only identify him as CI7. In fact, if you look at all the paperwork that Al Sharpton is involved in, his name is never in it. Mm-hmm. He's CI7. And he denied that he was ever a, a FBI informant um, throughout the 80s and 90s up until uh, 2000, either 2014 or 2017. Somebody just said, no, 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 this is, it is Al Sharpton. These are the transcripts that prove it's Al Sharpton. Right. And then eventually he kind of admitted it, but he didn't really fully admit it. Right, right. He danced around it a lot. You know, he made a lot of excuses why. I mean, he used the term rat. You know, I'm not a rat because, you know, he justified in his mind why he shouldn't be labeled as a rat. You know, and, and I'm, and, and, but he's giving me perspective on what other rats out here are doing. You know what I mean? Is this the, the the mindset that you guys have that you're not a rat based on because you you know he's matter of fact he said he was a cat. <laughs> well, you know what? L- let me let me play a clip of what Al Sharpton yeah. said back in um, back in 2014. This is what Al Sharpton said. Nothing new about this story. Joe Banner was the one that set up the meeting with this guy Sal. So I've done a lot of things in life, some that if I could do again, I would do differently. But in this situation, I did what was right. I did what I was always raised in the values of a praying mother to do. And I did what I tell kids every day all over this country that they should do. And that is deal with getting guns and crime out of their community and cooperate with the law. If I was doing business for James Brown, I had no choice but to meet with guys who would later be alleged or earlier be alleged to be mobsters. Wasn't like I was saying, hey, I heard you was with the so-and-so family. Let's chill together. It wasn't like that. The conversations were recorded. And I would record them today if somebody threatened me. Rats are usually people that were with other rats. I was not and am not a rat because I wasn't with the rats. I'm a cat. (laughs) I chase rats. And whether it's a rat in racial profiling or police brutality, all mobs is exploiting black artists. Don't get me confused. All right, so uh, what's your take on, on his response to being an FBI informant? Well, my response is this. If you have to do an interview to convince people that you're not an FBI informant, you probably are. You know, but it's evident that to me, I'm going to be honest, this, to me, in my opinion, this dude's a rat. Okay. For a couple <laughs> reasons. For one, you know, you ain't always had your nose clean. 
you ain't always been on the side of the law that you profess and that you willing to help so diligently. You know what I mean? You was dibbling and dabbling. You got caught. Now, even if you didn't decide to cooperate because you got caught, bro, you was breaking the law and doing what the rest of us out here doing, trying to make a li- make a little extra money, and you got caught. And I'm 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 assuming that's when you flip. So I got to put the red stamp on him. I'm gonna be honest with you. No doubt about it. Even though Al Sharpton is not a gangster, uh, he he is not known to be involved in consistent criminal activity. Nevertheless, he was dabbling. Uh, the feds got him on video and audio trying to negotiate a cocaine deal. And hey, you know, everybody's trying to make a dollar. And at that time, he decided maybe this is a way for me to make a dollar. He got caught and decided to work for the feds. CI number seven. Um, And just like in many people's paperwork, the confidential informant's name is not in it. Right. Does that remind you of anybody right now? No doubt, no doubt. (laughs) The name name of the person is not going to be in the paperwork. In the paperwork. So it takes other types of uh, corroborating evidence to Mm -hmm. link. And apparently they linked Al Sharpton to to this paperwork because of... The transcripts, the conversational transcripts, always give it away because mm-hmm. they'll say the dude's name oh, in no the transcript. No you just pulled up some dynamic transcripts recently, and uh, and at the end of the day, you know that you sealed the deal with him, so he could sit up there all he want and say that uh, his name not in the paperwork or that he's not an informer. But like I said, I'm gonna give him the informant stamp. You know, and no doubt he goes down uh, definitely. He 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 he's considered a snitch, rat, or whatever whatever term you want to use. But it never really affected him in terms of his career, um, how revered he is around the country. I mean, he just gave the eulogy. I was just trying to say he that. He just yeah. gave the eulogy at Amir Locke's funeral. So does America really have an issue with people who are rats and informants? Um, I'm starting to just from recent uh, incidents, I'm just starting to believe that people don't, you know, not America as a whole. You know, it's still matter in the hood. It's still matter in the turf. It really still matter within family. You know, but America as a whole, you know, they don't they don't care. They really want you to just come out, man, confess what you did, and America will give you another shot. The streets may not, but America definitely will. What 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 grade do you give Al Sharpton's confession? Because that press conference and the audio that we just listened to, that was supposed to be him saying, Yeah, it's true, but Blah, 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 blah. He danced around it way too much, had way too many excuses, you know. And, and, and the sad part about it is everybody probably sitting in this room, just, man, just say it. <laughs> you know, just just say it, man. You dancing around the question, I'm, I'm not a rat. You know, like I say, when, when you really get in that conversation where you have to have a whole press conference about you not being one, maybe you didn't did something that you really are. All right, let's move on to this other example of whether this person is a rat or not. And... There's a brother out of uh, Detroit named Kenyel Brown, K-E-N-Y-E-L Brown, and he was actually working for the FBI on multiple cases throughout the 2000s. He was from the streets, but somehow he started to cooperate with the feds, and in 2020, he he snapped. Mm -hmm. Something happened. After being released by a judge from custody, a Michigan judge set him free because he was already cooperating with the, with the police. They let him go. And for over a six-week period, this dude killed six people. Um, he was 38 years old. And let me read this. Brown, 38, died after carrying out what police have described as a bloody crime spree that killed six people over six weeks. It ended with him shooting himself in the head 
in a suburban backyard while running from the police. So this is a guy that was working for the police that was putting cases on people wearing wires, not only for the local police, but also for the feds. But um, he, he snapped. And yeah. I think that that this is an example of the federal government using witnesses that are still committing crimes. Yeah, no doubt. And I believe a lot of them are, you know, giving them passes, you know, because they're getting caught more than we know. You know, they're going to jail for little stuff here and there. Maybe it's a drug, maybe it's a gun, and they're getting right out with no doubt going back to work. This is a tragic incident just based on, it shows, shows me two things. One thing, it shows me that just because you're a rat don't mean you won't pull that trigger, you know. And then another thing, you know, y'all, you guys out here are, you know, these people, if you would have treated, if, if this dude, if you wouldn't have gave, let him be an informant to get reduced time, to, you know, make, make him man up and do his time for his crime, then he might have been incarcerated while these six people was in, killed and they probably would still be alive. This is really, to me, on the hands of the, who are the FBI, to be honest with you. No doubt. And I believe that the families of the six people he killed, regardless if they were in the streets or not, they're going to have lawsuits against him. Let me read this one more paragraph. When, when he was released from jail back in uh, 2020, on the same day, he was hired again as an informant by the Detroit Police Department through Chief James Craig. And he has said that he never knew Brown's multiple probation violations, which are publicly available and easy to find on the federal court's PACER system. Right, right. So this is a chief using this guy as an informant, and he's saying, oh, I didn't know he was involved in all these extracurricular activities when anyone could have just looked him up on the computer and found all the all these violations that this guy had. Right. Do you believe this chief is telling the truth? Oh, I definitely don't. <laughs> you know, I believe he just didn't care because he just didn't think it would get this dangerous. You know, they, they take a chance when they work with these uh, cooperating witnesses, and, 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 and I'm sure he just didn't think he would, didn't care about the probation violations. He, he just, I, I just really believe nobody thought this guy would go out and kill six people. So, no doubt. And um, the judge that, I believe the judge that let him go, his name is um, Bernard Friedman. It says here that um, uh, U.S. District Judge Bernard Friedman held what was supposed to be a sentencing hearing for Brown who had repeatedly violated probation stemming from a 2014 gun arrest. Brown had also failed drug tests. He got arrested for DUIs. He missed mandatory meetings, but the judge let him out. He, he was a good informant. Yeah. Yeah, he was, he was, he was, he was, hey, man, he was working. Yeah. You know, so he was bringing in some good uh, um, uh, product for him. <laughs> and, uh, and for a judge to do that, they went up and told that judge in the back room, hey, judge, this guy's really good at what he do. You know what I mean? Here go the, rec the number of arrests we've had working with this guy. I believe we could sweep it, and they work like that. I believe we could sweep this under the rug for the greater good. And she went with it, or he went with it. Well, it says here, instead of locking Kenyell Brown for his repeated violations, Judge Friedman released him at the request of a federal law enforcement agency that, for reasons not disclosed, mm -hmm. basically what you just said, wanted Brown freed. Well, let me ask you this. Do you think the judge took any kind of backlash off this? I don't I don't know because, you know, the judge is going to say, hey, the, the FBI submitted this report. Right, 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 right. This is standard procedure. Standard procedure. Hey, I'm not going to know that this guy right, is going right, to kill right, six right, people. Right. But it, it should have us reevaluating this system of using informants. Um, there, there had to be some sort of warning. I'm not saying that you knew he was going to kill six people. But anybody that's willing to go kill six people in a month, right? 
there got to be some red flags. It seemed like, yeah, I was going to say, it seemed <laughs> like it would be some red flags. It would be like this guy is, is, is maybe have a, you know, a, a, a anger problem, a depression problem. I mean, you guys seen something, but, I mean, but you really got to say, wow, six people, that is excessive. Now, I, I'm going to put, I'm going to stamp Kenyell Brown as informant at the highest of all levels. Um, wh what do you say? I mean, you have to. You know, he had, I mean, he was obviously doing a great job for him over there at the FBI. They went to bat for him, you know, with a judge. I mean, that says a lot. Okay. Now, now let's go. These last two are, are a little bit different. Mm -hmm. um, Freeway Ricky Ross was, was you know, everyone knows him as the uh, kingpin of the 1980s mm -hmm. and was making $300 million a year, which is basically a million dollars a day right. when you do the math on that. Um, but he had some corrupt L.A. County Sheriff's deputies on his head. Mm -hmm. And the FBI was aware of this. What They had the Freeway Ricky Ross Task Force, and they were doing a bunch of illegal stuff. At, at whatever point, they needed Freeway Ricky Ross to testify against these cops and he did. And these cops end up going to jail or losing their jobs. But there have been some to call Freeway Ricky Ross a snitch and informant for providing information on corrupt cops. Where where do we draw the line on that? I mean, like I say, it's always going to depend on who you're talking to. And since you're sitting here talking to me, I'm going to say it like this. If he went and provided evidence against crooked cops. Now, these crooked cops were basically your enemies. They were your cribs. They was your bloods as we have in the streets. And in the streets, because he was a street dude, we don't get to go tell on the, uh, uh, the cribs. Or we don't get to go tell on the power rules about something they did. Now, what made these cribs so into, you know, trying to chase you this hard? Was it just the money or was it a deal you made with them previously? You know, and have you ever spoke to these cops about anything or promised them something that you didn't fulfill or anything of that nature, then you you a rat. You know, if you got up there and you provided information on the agency, you know, now if they just hating on you and, 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 you know, they just want to get you because, you know, you out here killing families and that's how they feel. So they're going to go above and beyond and try to take you down. I mean, of course, you was making a lot of money. You know, maybe they just felt you was harming the community, you know, but get on, leave, you know, get out their way. Put people in place where they can't even touch you. Making that kind of money, they should never been able to find you anyway. You should have had workers doing what you was doing. But I'm going to just be honest with you. When you went to work for the FBI to go take down these corrupt cops. I mean, you, you told, man. Well, I don't think he worked for the FBI. I just think it was a matter of we need you to testify what they did, um, how they handled you. I think it was a, a case of uh, excessive force, abuse, stealing, stealing from him. Um, so I wouldn't say he was working for them, but I think he ended up testifying against them. Yeah, I think I, I draw a line between that. No, no, no. I, I respect your opinion. I respect a lot of people's opinion. I was in the system. I was in the feds probably when he was getting ready to come home, I believe. He came home in 20, either 2009 or 2010. And I was in yeah. there then. So he was in Texarkana. Are you familiar with that place? Oh, no, no. I had homies coming from over there, and there was dudes on the yard with him. And I remember one of the homies had a picture with him, and the other homies was going to roll him up. Is that you right? Know, not, not roll him up off the yard, but... Homie, you we we you you kicking it with a rat, homie. You so know so I mean? that was that was the word back then, no doubt. But, I mean, but this, even, this from experience, this from okay. Yeah. But but it was known that it was about the police, though, right? It wasn't about another drug dealer. It wasn't about none of the no one in the streets. He testified against basically somebody that was an enemy, and we don't get to go testify against no enemies, none whatsoever. You know, so like you say, the homie said, homie, you on a picture with this rat? 
So you, you're calling the, the L.A. County Sheriff's Department the enemy? I mean, in, in his situation. Yeah. You know, that was his foes. That was his arch rival. That was his nemesis. You know <laughs> what I mean? At that time. You know, so basically you, 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 done, you done rat on the streets. But you you told on on we, we don't get to do that. So if some say if I'm selling drugs and and some in the cribs or some the pot rules or somebody get to come pressing me about some money or doing little stuff robbing my little connects or robbing my drop off men, I don't get to call no police and and, and remain a, a stand up dude. You know what I mean? So like I say, everybody's gonna have their difference of opinion. But once you went to um, testify for the FBI even in this one situation because say if this would have happened say if he was driving his car and they put him out the car and they did a Rodney King situation and they beat him up and somebody caught it on camera he went to court and testified on his behalf for what happened this that's okay I could give him a pass on that but when you went to do it for the FBI you know what I mean? I, 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 that's where my line drew because you did it for another agency. You know what I mean? Once you involved this other agency, you worked for this other agency to to get these guys. That's when I I I, I couldn't respect that. Okay, so let me ask you this: That time when the police came knocking on your door in two thousand four, mm -hmm. let's say you had about you know two or three birds in there, and the police took the three birds. Mm -hmm. They uh. They beat you up a little bit. Mm -hmm. Let's say they broke your leg, uh, said that you were resisting. You go to the hospital, and before you know it, the feds came to the hospital and said, hey, we've been following these cops. These are dirty cops. They've been dirty for a long time, and we've been, we've been trying, to, trying to indict these cops. Mm -hmm. we, we have information. They just stole two, three birds from you. And they assaulted you for no reason. Right, right. We need you to, we, we need you to testify against these cops. Does FG do that? Yes or no? FG don't. Wow. Yeah, FG For real? don't. For real? No, no doubt. Oh, I, I, I do that. No, 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 I, no, no I'm no. doing that. Okay, well, because I, mean, I But I said I respect your opinion, <laughs> but at the same time, no, the, tell me how you feel. The I feel that whenever we have an opportunity to expose an oppressive system, it ain't snitching. Mm -hmm. And the oppressive system is cops stealing from us, cops beating us mm -hmm. up, cops hitting us over the head, cops putting us in the hospital. When we have an opportunity to expose the, the, a system that has been oppressive to us, I, I'm not calling that snitching. Um, to me, it's when you're snitching when it's when it's people on the streets that you either dealing with or your competition. I feel like you know snitching against your competition. That's snitching, mm -hmm. but against the police, um, I, I, I'm I'm cool with that. Well, let me give you true life situations that happens. You know what I mean? Not with with me, but 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 with certain people I know for sure. I'm from Linwood, Compton. You know what I mean? Linwood always had sheriffs. Compton had Reggie Wright Sr., Reggie Wright Jr., Bookman, uh, and all the other hosts. I'm not going to put no name on one certain officer, but it's been homies been pulled over with, in, in, in all kind of cities, not just Compton. You know what I mean? That had three birds on them, two birds on them, 50,000 on them. And the police, man, you trying to go to jail, or I'm, 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 I'm going to roll with this, or you want to go with it? And you're going to be like, shh. Hey, I got I got to <laughs> yeah. bite that. Yeah. Dude, we're not going to go tell on a file no complaint against when they do something like that. You're going to eat that. No doubt. You okay. know, so so let me finish. Okay. So <laughs> once I was out here selling drugs and making a department, a whole department feel a certain kind of way, and I knew these was my enemies, you know what I mean? Then I was subject to whatever came with it. You know, when it was that one cop, I had a Linwood Sheriff, man, was on my helmet because I was known for carrying pistols. I actually had a college student in the car with me rolling. I got my nice shirt on. She don't even know I'm from the hood. And I happened to be dipping through to go hit the freeway, and he saw me bust a U-turn. 
You know what I mean? Pull us out the car, and, and she wasn't the type of person you pull out the car. She never been pulled out of the car before, and she he was like, man, this this guy likes to carry guns. You know, this dude I knew right here was my 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 my. So when he throw me up against the hood or he do something, I'm not going to tell you. You know who your enemies is. So he knew who his enemies was. He could have got out of Dodge from him, and when he didn't, you know, he went and testified on him. I can't respect that. Okay, so you take a very strict position on that. Um, regarding Freeway Ricky Ross, when he was at Texarkana, that's a, U, that's a USP, right? Oh, no, that's an FCI? I think it's an FCI. Or some of these facilities have... Both of them, right? Yeah, they have both okay. of them. Okay. Yeah. Um, was it clear-cut agreement that he was a snitch, or were some people saying, hey, man, he was, that was the police? I've heard it both ways. Okay. I've actually heard homies say both ways. So there's some disagreement no, on No, no, no. There's a lot of disagreement. Yeah. No, I, can't, I ain't saying that. It's a lot of disagreement. You know what I mean? And, 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 uh, and, uh... And he's going to get treated different from a regular. Even if you feel he's a rat, he's still not going to treat him like a, you know, the average one because his situation was involving cops. But at the same time, you don't know if you was paying off these cops and you stopped paying them. If you ever did any, now if I find out he did anything with these cops, yeah, I'm gonna put the full fledged stamp <laughs> on him. Like say if you was paying them off and stop paying them, or you made a deal with them before they, you know, um, um. I'm gonna put this because these now they your 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 buddies now they kind of like your home now they your co-defendants you know what I mean and you told on them so but me like I said I never got the full story on them I always knew homies was half and half nah homie you on the picture with that fool then other homies like come on homie that was the police he was dealing with you know what I mean so yeah it's, it goes both ways but for me because like I said he got up there and told on somebody who was his rival or his enemy or stuff for the feds he did just did it for himself alone like I say with the with the um the uh beating or something you know what i mean and he got up there and he said these guys beat me and they and it's on video and all this that's a little something different yeah you know okay so so without freeway ricky ross ever dealing with these cops on some street stuff he's still considered a rat to you even without the, the direct dealing with him because we, we don't know if we don't know nothing yeah we don't I don't think let that me came out if if he, if was, he had some kind of deal yeah. well it always don't Okay. You know, everything don't always come out, you yeah. know, because sometimes, you know, I'm telling you, sometimes it's just like an informer to tell on you about one thing, but they won't tell on you about something else, you know, and they know other things about you. They may know other things about you, you know, but, but like I said, I'm going to stand on basically like, I'm not going to call him, just basically say, he, I'm going I'm to say this for sure. He told on the police. Okay. That's where I stand. He and, told on the police. And by him telling on the police, you're putting the rat snitch label jacket on him. Yes. Okay. Uh, I'm going to not put the rat snitch label on him because it is the police. Mm -hmm. Now I do agree if he had a business dealings with the police and they were giving him they were giving him passes and they had an exchange of some sort of business exchange and then you testified against them, then you are rat. Okay. But if none of that existed and they was just on his head from the beginning, right? And these cops were under the FBI investigation and they asked him to testify against these oppressive. Abusive cops, I'm giving them a pass. Okay. Okay. And it's kind of similar to this last one. This last uh, example we have here, Anthony Brown. Now, Anthony Brown is the dude that was locked up in the L.A. County Jail, and somehow he filed a complaint against the, the jail for abuse. Uh, I guess during this time when he was in there, they was whipping some ass. Yeah. And I'm talking about the deputies was whipping some uh, ass. no doubt. And the FBI got wind of this. They went to visit him, and they slid him a cell phone and said, document it. Mm -hmm. Sh show, give us some evidence. Document it. And then eventually the, the deputies found out that not only did he have a phone, 
but the phone belonged to the FBI. And eventually the FBI realized the deputies was playing games and they indicted Lee Baca. Man. Paul Tanaka. We're talking about yeah, number one yeah, and number, number two. two. Yeah. And they indicted 16 or 18 other deputies in this whole scandal where they were trying to hide Anthony Brown from having any visits from the FBI. And eventually Anthony Brown, um, you know, he, he was an informant for the FBI, but he wasn't an informant in the sense that he was trying to put cases on people. He was trying to expose the abuses of the L.A. County Jail. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your whole take on that? Um, my take on it is I'm no first hand they was whooping ass, man. You know. Um how did he get in touch with the FBI to even notify them that these things were going on inside the jail? How that part happened, um, I don't know, to the point to where they was able to slide him a phone. I mean, I, I don't think it's hard for him to do that part, but, you know, but the communication between the FBI and him to even get to the point where they would slide him a phone is super suspect. And I just don't know none of my homies nor none of my crib partners who would agree to, even though we was in there, Firsthand getting our ass whooped, you know. Um, I don't think I know anybody. Well, I can't say I don't know anybody, but the people that I, I can name some names that wouldn't go for that, you know, wouldn't even let you put them in a position to testify against the police, even though they're in there whooping our ass. It's just that ain't what you do. You don't get up there and testify if you're going by the street code. Now, was Anthony Brown a gang member? That I don't know, but I can tell you the reason why the feds knew about this complaint, because he actually filed a lawsuit from within the jail, which a lot of people do. I read these appeals all the right, time. No doubt. Even in the feds, you can file oh, no, no, you can no, file no, a no. lawsuit against the warden. Yeah. You know, you can file all these lawsuits. So that's how the feds knew what was going on. And uh, I don't think it's that difficult to go visit the feds to go visit him and just say, "Here's a phone." No, no that's doubt, no doubt. Do. My, my whole thing just goes back to was he a, 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 a was he a civilian? Whether he's a regular citizen? Was he a gang member? Well, does it matter for you? It matters to me because if you took the oath. To uphold this, 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 we gonna keep it 100 all the way around, no matter who it is, no matter it's the police, no matter it's the mafia, Italian mafia, no matter who it is, you know, you take, you take that code and you honor it, you know what I mean? Now, if you're a regular citizen, you know what I mean, then I don't, he, I don't have, um, I mean, he did what he did. I, I'm not gonna sit there and say he's a rat, he's, he did what a, a, a citizens do. And but not to mention, if he's a citizen, a regular citizen, you know, I know some people that might thank him just based on. Hey, he helped, you know, get them get them ass whoopings up off of us, well, you know. Well, Mr. Brown, Mr. Anthony Brown was a bank robber. Okay. <laughs> you know, so he he from the streets in he some kind of way. And he has a long of... history of crime. I don't know if he's a blood, crib, pyro, but we can just say yeah, he's a street dude. Definitely. Okay, okay. So so for him being a street dude, you feel that he should have told the Fed, he should have never filed this complaint, I guess. No, no, no. See, that's what, see, a, a complaint is a different thing. You're going to file complaints in jail because, you're going to file one because you, you got a rotten tooth and the dentist is not uh, seeing you. Dentist is giving you some, 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 some ibuprofen and saying, go sit down somewhere. And your whole jaw swole. So you may have to file a complaint with the. I'm yeah. not. I'm not saying it like that. You know what I mean? When I was in a halfway house, I had a situation where they, uh, I lost my job. Messing with one of the guys that worked there, he just hated seeing people had decent jobs. I had got a job with a city, you know, and they was finna send me back to MDC because they said I didn't go to work that day, which I had my check in my pocket. You can call the, you know, job and ask them if I was there. They didn't want to do that. They wanted to take this guy's word for it. Come to find out, he had a 
uh, um, he was getting a lot of people fired from jobs that he didn't want, felt they should have. So anyway, my wife, when they was going to send me back to MDC, my wife took it upon herself to get in touch with the director of the uh, region. And the director of the region simply called the job and asked him what I was there. He was like, man, the dude was here. He got his paycheck in his pocket from today, blah, blah, blah. And the guy at the halfway house, you know, was reprimanded. You know, thing about it is I would have never thought about calling the director of the region. I would have went back to the MDC, you know, um, and, 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 and took it on the chin, even though I knew I was at work. I could prove to y'all I was at work, but y'all don't want to hear it. You know, I would have went, you know. But one reason I wouldn't have called was based on um, I wouldn't think they would have did shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? I didn't know they would have really act like they did. You know what I mean? And they really came through. So at the end of the day, um, it all depends on what capacity, you know, you filing a grievance in or you filing a complaint. You can do all that. He actually worked for the FBI to take down some cops, you know, and uh, you're a bank robber. If you was a stand-up citizen, you was a USC graduate, and you, uh, um, you worked at the bank, you know what I mean, and got robbed and went and testified, that's one thing. But when you're out here in the streets doing this shit, you don't get no pass from me on, on testifying on nobody, you know. That's just how I feel. Well, I'm I'm gonna treat Anthony Brown the same way I'm treating Freeway Ricky Ross. I'm I'm not gonna stamp him as a rat and a snitch because again, he, he's exposing an oppressive system that was going on in the L.A. County Jail yeah, of people was just getting oppressive. their heads cracked yeah, open. Yeah. And and a lot of us we we would hear these stories and not believe them. I'm talking about not me personally, but. Most of society doesn't believe a right, complaint right, right. from a prisoner. No, nah, no doubt. We getting our ass whooped. Yeah, sure. You're you, you're in jail. That's right, where you right, belong. Right. That's where you belong. That's yeah. what you deserve, anyways. You know. So I feel like we need the, the only way to expose the government for their cruel and unusual punishment is by having people come forward, like Freeway Ricky Ross and Anthony Brown. Mm. So long as they're not telling on other. Catch from the streets. I have no problem with that. Um, there's no way that Lee Baca, mm -hmm. the, the the sheriff for LA County, yeah. his right hand man, Tanaka, Paul man. Tanaka, and and about ten or twelve other deputies end up going to prison without it being exposed by people in the jail. Well, this is the thing about, it, and I can I will say this in their defense. I heard a lot of homies say that that's what they deserved. You know now. When saying that, the only way you can say that's what they deserve is you b believe that th what this guy did was, was cool. You know, I don't think people take it to that far, but I've had her homie say, man, that's what they needed. We've been waiting on that. So I'm, I'm sure that there's going to be some resistance to that. It's just, it's, I feel it, oh, man, you was from the street. You went to jail like we all do. You shouldn't have had your ass in jail if you didn't, you know, you wanted to be a live a better life and you wanted to do, don't have your ass in jail because this is what was going on in the jail. You know, so, <laughs> so, and then you went told on the, on, on the police, but, but, I mean, you didn't lie. They was in there whooping ass, so, you know what I mean? You know. But you, you still give him the same jacket you give Freeway, Freeway Ricky Ross? I must give him the same jacket. He can't see, he can't come in my cell. Okay. You know um, what I mean? I, I'm I'm giving Anthony Brown, I'm giving Anthony Brown a pass because I like to see corrupt cops go to prison. Um, I got a lot of joy seeing Lee Baca taken yeah, away yeah. to the penitentiary. I, I'm gonna be honest with you. I think we all did. <laughs> I don't think no. I, I'm gonna talk about everybody I talked to that didn't know the dynamics because you gotta understand us. A lot of people on the street and and in society uh, or in jail. Um, all we heard about is him going to jail. Lee Bach and them, you know, corrupt. They was doing what they was doing. And people applauded it. 
I never knew all the dynamics of how it went down. Never heard the name, never knew what the circumstances was. So we all applauded when they went to jail and said that's what they get without knowing all the dynamics. I still say that they deserve to go to jail and, and, and they got what they deserved, but at the same time, this dude told on them. Yeah. I, I do got to say that. And they didn't even go to jail for the, the abuses. They they went to jail for covering up, covering up uh, yeah. Anthony Brown's locations. They and would move him around. moving him, yeah. man. And the feds got upset. And I think it was it's very arrogant and just so ignorant for this the LA County Sheriff think that they can mess with the FBI. True, but they've been doing it for a while because I remember they beat up a couple homies one time and they were supposed to go to court and since they had black eyes and busted lips, they hid them. You know, and they didn't show up for court and, and um it's easy to tell the courts that they cut off their wristbands, so now it's a vetting process of finding these inmates. They are in the system. It's just we got we're gonna have to take the time to find them, fingerprint them, and all that sort of stuff. But I know dudes personally who got beat up and didn't make it to court because they didn't want the court to see their bruises. That was standard operating procedure, and they got way too comfortable with it. I mean, that was something that they probably did like all the time, you know. And so when they did it with the feds, the feds like, hold on, y'all gonna play us like that. And was able to take it to a different level because they have the resource. And, of course, they're the biggest investigative agency in America. All right. So um, before we wrap this up, let's just do a quick review. Uh, Bosco, yes or no? No. Snit, no. no. Al Sharpton. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, Kenyell Brown from Detroit. Oh, yeah. He was definitely a, yeah. a performer. Yeah. Freeway Ricky Ross. I'm going to say yeah. And Anthony Brown. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. I'm giving Freeway Ricky Ross and Anthony Brown and Bosco passes. Definitely Al Sharpton and Kenyell Brown. I'm stamping them rats and informants to the fullest extent. And um, we're going to have to save this last topic for next week. Okay. But we'll give them a sneak peek. Uh, we're going to talk about what is a DP, uh, why people get DP'd, um, and just your experiences uh, dealing with DPs. We all deal with them in the streets. Right, we'll get into that. And uh, we'll get into that next week. But I want to thank everybody for checking out another episode of Streets and Scholars. And just hit us up if you have any questions. FG is at FGeneral1 on Instagram. I'm at AlexAlonso101 on all social media platforms. And we got the podcast available on all podcast platforms, including Apple. Apple just updated us. And if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, you can give us a rating and a review right there and just tell us what you think. And if you want to ask us any questions or have any comments about the podcast and you're listening to us on Apple, you can leave a comment right there and I'll be sure to check them each and every week. And thanks for tuning in to another episode of Streets and Scholars.